your next big move podcast for anyone involved in the buying and selling of businesses that wants to know how to do it right. Hosted by Zorin and brought to you by Exclusive Business Sales. Sell your business with certainty. Hello, everyone. Today, my guest is Michael Aimler. Michael is one of the very few specialists in Australia who exclusively represents tenants during the lease negotiation. We talk about how to negotiate a good lease and why you need an expert in this field to help you in the process. This is fascinating conversation that will draw your attention to some points that must be negotiated, but you possibly didn't know how important they are or maybe didn't even know that they exist. This is must-listen podcast for anyone looking to buy or sell a business with lease or anyone entering into new lease. So let's get into it. Hello, Michael. Today I've got Michael Emla. Did I pronounce that well? Not bad. Not, Not bad. bad for an immigrant. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad for the refugee. Yeah. <laughs> From Verimac. And Michael is a lease negotiator. Yep. So, Michael, how long have you been negotiating leases now? Um, in Australia for 24 years. In South Africa, eight years. So, all up about 32 years. And your specialty is a retail leases, but you do any leases, you do commercial leases as well. Yeah, my specialty is retail, um, but I can obviously get involved with commercial leases as well, correct. So who uses your services? Um, we have startups using yep. our services, someone who doesn't know how to negotiate a deal. Yep. Um, we have mature brands that are use our services as well. Yeah. Um, Basically, we have anyone who wants to get, get get a health check and 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 see what they're missing when they negotiate a deal. Okay. Um, well, I was talking earlier to you, and we're going to get into detail later. But there's so much to think about, rather than how much is the rent. Yeah, correct. Uh, so, why is a negotiation? Why is a good lease negotiation crucial? Anyone can do a deal. All you have to do is agree. Yeah. That's it. So it's everyone thinks it's easy because all you have to just agree to the terms and you've done the deal. But what is a good deal? That's that's the question that everyone should be asking. You don't know what you don't know. Um, you When you're sick, you go to a doctor, right? You don't yeah. go to a veterinarian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Last I checked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, maybe you do in your <laughs> old country, but not, not, not in Australia. <laughs> so... so um, that's what we specialize in. We look at all the terms and we understand what the terms actually mean and what the terms that they haven't put into the deal actually mean. Um, and and w what I mean by that is um, when you negotiate, you just most people just look at the, the, the rents yeah. and they look at the uh, outgoings and they look at maybe the reviews. But there's a whole lot of other things that are negotiable, even though the landlord might not tell you that they're negotiable, they are negotiable. Can you give me some examples? Sure. Um, things that are negotiable would be the bank guarantees, the personal guarantees, the turnover clauses, the category one costs, survey fees, hoarding costs. It's just, it's endless. Y you said one more thing, uh, and I'll, I'm going to try to touch as much as we can on yeah. each one of those. But you said also what's not in the lease. Yes. So what I mean by that is <coughs> when you when you do a deal, generally you're signing 
the lease term, the yep. tenure, you're signing on the rent, um, you're signing on the reviews, you're signing on the bank guarantees. All right? Yeah. That's genuinely what you're yep. signing on. But often what's not disclosed in the letter of offer is additional costs. And what I mean by additional costs, there could be things like um, the the lawyer's fees. Okay. Okay. You don't who, know what who pays for the legal you, fees. You, you don't know you? who pays for the lawyer's fees because there will be a lease preparation costs. And if you negotiate against the lawyer, so in other words, your lawyers negotiating against the the landlord's lawyer, you pay for that privilege on both sides. On both sides. So you, <laughs> so you don't know what the cost is, and even if you know that the cost exists, you don't know how much is going to be. A hundred percent. So can you cap that? You can cap that. You can take it out. As I said, there's so many things that are that are negotiable, but not many people know. If it's not in the list, they don't know it's negotiable. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Or well, it offer. is on the list, but or it's in not the, the offer. offer. In the offer. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, in the yeah, offer. Yeah. Correct. Okay, right. and. Um, so l- let's talk about a few of them. Obviously, first one is the rent. Yes. So how do you go about negotiating the rent? The way the way I look at the rent is is it's kind of irrelevant what the rent is because what's probably more important is to know what kind of turnover you're going to do in the site. Mm-hmm. Because if if the rent's a hundred grand as an example, yeah. But in your eyes, you're only going to turn over four hundred thousand dollars. So, so it all your profit goes to the rent. Yeah, it's no point, right? Yeah. So you've got to actually work it backwards. You've got to think, what is my turnover? What's my minimum turnover? Not your maximum, your minimum. Always look at, always be conservative. Mm-hmm. Don't be optimistic. Be conservative. That's the way I look at everything. Okay. If my turnover is going to be four hundred, well, you shouldn't be paying a hundred thousand dollars in rent. Okay. So how do you estimate the rent? Oh, sorry. How do you estimate what you think your turnover is going to be when you go into that? It's through it's through understanding your own business model. Okay. Okay. Um. Generally, most retailers will have some understanding of what they think they're going to turn over when they take a store. You need to have a plan. You need to understand your business. Okay. I can guide you, but there's no ways I can put a number on your business if I don't even if you don't understand your business. How can I understand it? Fair enough. Now. There are different rents or per square meter that the shopping center will do for the different types of businesses. How do they establish what they're going to charge you? I mean, is there any information that you can get to see how much other similar businesses yeah, turn so, so when, <coughs> so when you look at a, a deal, um, you can ask for you can ask for the disclosure statement, and the disclosure statement will actually give you some important information, which is one hundred percent. You can rely on that information. Mm-hmm. It's that's why it's called a disclosure statement. Because you're disclosing, yeah, ex- <laughs> pretty much, um, yeah. So, so on that, it'll tell you what the 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 turnover is of the shopping center. Yeah, it's called the MAT, moving average turnover. It'll tell you generally the the amount or number of visitations the shopping center has. Yeah, it'll tell you the amount of parking bays. It'll tell you what the outgoings are in the center. Yep. So what where the money or where the outgoings are being spent. But it'll also tell you, um, Jenny will tell you what the specialty retailers are turning over per square meter. It might be broken down into food, non-food yeah. services. So on that information, if you're a food business, yeah. you should work on the average. So let's assume it's $10,000 a square meter. 
for food yeah. and you're taking a hundred square meter premises, you've got to think that on average you're going to do a million bucks in turnover if you're yeah. just an average yeah, operator. Yeah, yeah. And that's one way you can calculate what you could expect to do from your business. So you look at that and, and, and you have a discussion with the retailers yes. coming in and say, look, you're, you're a bit optimistic of what you think you're going to yeah. do. Look what people, because you can only do as much traffic as in a shopping center. You can't do any more. Yeah, and, and numbers don't lie. Yeah. So you can think you're better, but I always say just think of you as being average. If you are better, good on you. You make more money. But if you're average, well, this is what you can expect. So you pretty much don't look at the rent that they're asking for. You do your own calculations and say, look, we are interested in bringing this business in here and that's what we are prepared to pay and that's your starting position. Correct. Okay. That would always generally be my starting position. That's interesting because most of the people think, well, this is the rent that they're asking. I probably can negotiate a little bit, but it's not negotiable. You totally ignore that part and you just I go totally for ignore that part. Um, Fantastic. That's me. And outgoings. You said they're negotiable. No, what? I didn't say the outgoings are negotiable. So they're not negotiable. No, outgoings are, are, are not negotiable. That's a statutory charge that, that's passed on to the to the retailers. So it's important to understand what the outgoings are. Uh -huh. So the as I said, the rent is the rent. Yeah. But outgoings could be as little as $100 a square meter or as much as $600 a square meter. Is that in disclosure yes. document uh, and normally they tell you what yes. the outgoings are per yes. square meter? Is yes. it normally or is it a percentage? No, it's 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 per square meter. Per square meter, okay. So that's, well, easily understood, but you got to be aware of it. Uh, you have to be aware of it because your rent might be 30 grand and you think, wow, amazing rent for this food usage. Yeah. But the outgoings are six hundred dollars a square meter, so your outgoings could be eighty grand. So you can pay more for the outgoings than what you yeah, pay for the rent. I've seen it. I've seen it many, yeah. many times. Yeah. Okay. Now, contribution and free period. Rent free period. Rent free yep. period. Yes. Yep. So that's something that's often offered by shopping center. And look, correct me if I'm wrong, but I always had a feeling that they're offering that higher rent, more free period. Are going to give you just to get you in. Um, are there any tips on, or how do you go about looking at these? Yeah, so points? <coughs> so the contribution is not a given. It's, okay. it's it's something that that often you won't know about if you're an inexperienced retailer. So ju just for everybody listening and watching this, contribution is a financial contribution that they're gonna shopping yeah. center is gonna give to new tenant. Yes. To do the setup and it can be the going. yeah it can be it can be structured in a rent free period like you said or or capital contribution towards okay. your fit out, um, but often when you get an offer, there's no contribution. It's something that you actually negotiate. Okay. So it's not it's not standard that the landlord's going to say hey the rent's a hundred grand and he has fifty grand contribution. It's so not. It's not. A, it's not a given. So, so, so it's almost they want to give as little as possible. One hundred percent. Yeah. Well, it's your money. So, yeah. as a as a shopping center or building owner, you just don't <coughs> want to pay the money. So, you correct. I'll, if you don't ask, you almost hundred percent not going to get it. Absolutely not get. So, how how much contribution can you ask, and how do you establish that? Yeah, it's a it's a really really interesting topic right now because during COVID, where people were re reluctant to do deals. Um, the landlords would highly incentivize people mm -hmm. in a depressed economy. Mm -hmm. um, 
now the landlords are saying they don't have any money because they had to give so much away because of the <laughs> during COVID. Well, that's true too. It's yeah. true, and also the landlords took huge, huge financial losses. Yeah. Um, because they were were just like retailers, they they shared the pain. It wasn't one way traffic. So, is there anything that you can bring to the landlord in order to give you better contributions? Is there anything you can offer? They said, "Well, for something like this, we're gonna." It depends on the usage. Yeah. So, usage being what kind of business you have. Um, you know, if, if you're a very popular usage, you know, like a barber shop or a sushi yeah, yeah. sushi brand. Unless you top in category or best in category, the contributions they keep to a minimum because there are many, many competitors in your space. Mm -hmm. But if you're a butcher or something that's very difficult for the landlord to find, you have a more you know, you have a far better chance of getting a bigger contribution because the landlord really needs your usage and he doesn't have that much choice. So it goes to economics 101, supply and demand. Supply and demand. And, I mean, how long is a piece of string? But what's the reasonable or what's a good contribution that you can achieve? I mean, A good contribution is if you can get 20% um, okay. on, on, on your rent. So, in other words, if you're paying $100,000 and it's a five-year lease, yep. that works out just basic numbers, $500,000. You'll yep. pay, be paying... Forget about the, the the increases, and if you can get twenty percent on five hundred thousand, that's a hundred thousand dollars. So, essentially, you you get a, a one year free. Mm -hmm. That would be an excellent result if you could get I, it. If if, if you, you can, can get it, an excellent result. And you got to be very smart how you ask about it. Yeah, very very, and it's not a given. It's a incredibly difficult result to get. Now you mentioned one thing. This is forget the rent increases because the rents adjust every year. Correct. Are you seeing at the moment because of the um, of the inflation that's happening and everything that, that <laughs> that's getting a little bit <laughs> more yeah, trickier to yeah. do? Yeah, in the old days, people used to love CPI, yeah, because it was sitting, you know, one percent, one and a half percent. Yeah, um, a lot of landlords in their leases have had CPI, and uh, it's been not an issue for any retailers. But recently, some of the landlords who have got CPI in their leases of finding it difficult <laughs> to sell that to retailers, especially with CPR running, you know, five, six, seven percent. And you don't know where it's gonna get. Oh, you don't know where it's gonna get. Um, but it's not a nice or it's a huge wake up call when your rent goes up by seven percent from the previous year. Because nothing has gone up. You know, wages haven't gone up by seven percent. It's it's a massive hit. Your turnover has <laughs> gone up by seven percent. It's a massive yeah, yeah. problem. Okay. It's a massive issue. And um, rent reviews, how are they normally done and do you negotiate there's two ways. There's two ways of doing rent reviews. The one is, um, this is coming from the landlord really, uh, it's CPI mm -hmm. plus a percentage. So it could be CPI plus one, CPI plus two, CPI plus three. A lot of the, the bigger institutions would use that mechanism. Yeah. Um, and other landlords would use a, a, fixed, a fixed review. 2%, 3%, 4%, 5%, 6%. So so in a is you're not allowed to have a CPR or whichever one's higher that's gone now. No, you can only choose one of the yeah. one of the two. Okay. And um, in shopping centers, one thing that when we're selling a business is a lease is very important. So if you got a lease, 
that's expiring in two years, well, you can't do much with it because you can't value the business but because you don't have a security of tenure. You don't know what's going to happen to you. Right. Now, on the strip and in commercial um, leases, we normally got options. Yep. But in retail, uh, in shopping center leases, virtually impossible to get. Or am I wrong? Can you get an option? Look, in I wouldn't say center? it's impossible to get an option, but it's certainly not common. Okay, so it's, uh, it's not a common, uh, it's not a common thing at all. And it would come down to what category you're in. So yeah, I mean, if you're a, a Woolworths or a or a, one of these massive chains. Yeah, anchor tender. You, you yeah. can demand. You, you things, can yeah. your 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 negotiation powers is definitely increased to if you were a single one store massage massage business asking for a five year plus a five year option. Yeah, it's just it's 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 not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen any. <laughs> yeah, and turnover closes now. There's a base rent and there's a turnover rent, so Correct. which means you pay base rent, say hundred thousand up to million dollar turnover. If it goes over one million dollar turnover, uh, then you got to pay ten percent extra. Yeah, so, so it keeps your rent on ten percent pretty yep. much, or hundred thousand, whichever is higher. Correct. Is that possible to be excluded or not? Um, the the shopping center wants you to disclose um, your figures. Okay. A because as I said to you earlier, they have a disclosure document advising the retail market. Other people coming in. What what your turnover of the shopping center is. Yep. So without that, they can't really give you proper information. Um, is it is it impossible? Look, there's certain categories that you don't have to disclose your turnover, like the pharmacy groups. They don't have to disclose their turnover. It's it's they 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 basically it's not a it's not a term that's acceptable to the pharmacy chains. Yeah. They, w- they won't. It's, it's, it's a given that that's not going to be happening. Well, why is that the case? Why, why pharmacists? I have absolutely no idea why, to be honest with mm. you. It's something that the pharmacy board negotiated. Okay. Um, but, uh, but to be completely honest, I think it's probably to do with the PBS, the, the, the Pharmaceutical Benefits Health Scheme. Okay. Because a lot of it is gov- government subsidized. So it could, it could give very different figures to the reality because they get rebates on the government. Okay. So it could say that their figures are maybe 10 million, but really they're only doing 2 million with the rebates. Yeah. Well, the, the reason yeah. why I ask you <laughs> about uh, these, uh, um, um, like disclosure of your turnover or, um, is for, I mean, if you, if I'm negotiating deal with you and you know exactly what I'm making, it's much harder for me to negotiate it. So it would be yeah. preferable for you to not to know this commercial and confidence and I can keep it to closer to my chest and negotiate Correct. the deal better. Correct. But there's very small chance of escaping that. No. Okay. So no. There's very small ch- chance of negotiating. Yeah. Negotiating, getting rid of the turnover clause, reducing the turnover clause is something you can negotiate. Mm-hmm. Um <coughs> But uh, yeah, it's it's. Do you, do you often negotiate the turnover clauses? Or, or yes. Yeah. 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 Would it, would it depend? I mean, like, or can you negotiate when the turnover clause kicks in? Yes. So if they want a million million dollars now, I'm on two million. So if yeah. I hit the two million, charge me more. But before yeah. then, yeah, yeah. So you can negotiate that. Yep. Yeah. So everything's negotiable. And one more thing that you said: uh, these um, uh, relocation clauses and cost, and what you pay, wh- what part of the fee that do I pay, and what you pay. 
and who's responsible for maintenance of which part of the of the fillet. Um, you talked about cost categories. You, you mentioned them earlier. So you said, well, cost category. H- how does that work? What what is a cost category? Uh, a cost category. Yeah. Well, when we were talking earlier, you, you, you mentioned something that when you're negotiating who pays for what, and then you said, uh, if I You're talking about category one costs. Oh, category one yeah, costs. Yeah, yeah, category one costs. So category one costs essentially is things that you often, <laughs> you don't really know about what they are until you get hit with a bill. So, so when's that paid? So category one costs. So if that's the question you're yeah, asking, yeah, yeah, that it really refers to to things that are in the ceiling, okay. as an example, air conditioning, sprinkler heads, things like that, yeah. and below the surface, things like drainage points, plumbing, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So are we talking fit-out when we're going in, yes. or, or are we talking repairs? No, fit-out. Fit so out. when you're doing yeah. your fit-out, that's something that often, it's not in your, it's not in your uh, letter of offer generally, how much that's going to cost, mm-hmm. but it'll be in your disclosure and the lease. Mm-hmm. So, and again, you don't know what that is until you hit with the bill. So you're able to exclude those. You can negotiate those. Sometimes you can include them, exclude them. Sometimes you can get the landlord to do certain part of that at landlord's cost. It's again, it's all, all right. up, it's all up for negotiation. That's a, that's a fantastic information because I always thought when I pay the fit out, well, whatever needs to be done, I have to. Carry the cost. Yeah, generally, generally, uh, as a f- uh, your builders aren't allowed to go below the surface, so the landlord has to bring in their s- specific trades to do the work because they know the work, they're familiar. Yeah, with and also it's a business. It's a business for the landlord. They make money on that. Okay, so why paying for someone else when you don't know what the cost is? So you can either fix it or you can exclude it, or, yep. or it's open for negotiation. Or you, or you, um, and and there's something. That's got the fit out guide, which actually will, will will tell you, will disclose what each part would cost, each sprinkler head. It actually will say it would cost eight hundred dollars a sprinkler head. So it, you, you so look at this cost and you can pretty much calculate and say, Don't go there, this is gonna cost you a fortune. Yeah, right? or you negotiate things like that. Uh-huh. Or you can negotiate by sc- by sp- p- particular point or, or type yeah, of the yeah. work, yeah. And that's most people won't know anything about that. Fantastic. So it's the difference between zero dollars and a hundred thousand dollars. So you said category one cost, but there's category two cost and category yeah, three. How, how far does categories go? <laughs> anywhere that that landlord can make a dollar, I guess. <laughs> Look, it's it's all pretty much the same thing. It just overcomplicates something that is actually really simple. Okay. So, but you just gotta be aware of that. You and just know what you're signing up for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you just gotta understand it. You need someone to understand it. Now, one thing that we came across lately that's becoming a problem. These are exclusive rights. And let's say I've got a certain type of business and in the past I have seen that, you know, for this at least floor or in the shopping center, you've got an exclusive right to operate this type of business. But that seems to be less and less common. Am I right to say that? To have exclusivity in a major shopping center is almost unheard of today. Okay. What I mean by that is if you've got a, a hairdresser or a barber or to have or to make sure that you're the only barber in the shopping center, yep. 99.99% ain't going to happen. Okay. Okay? Not going to happen. 
the landlord's not going to restrict their opportunities um, in a shopping in a shopping centre. If it's a small shopping centre, let's say it's a it's it's got a supermarket and ten stores, you might be able to get that in a small shopping centre. Mm-hmm. You know, but you've got to ask for that. You've got to put in writing, and you've got to get that. Uh, so it's still possible. It is possible in a small shopping center, yeah. not on a large, not in a large center, unless you've got something that's special. Unless about you, yeah, uh, it's, it's as I said, it's highly, highly unlikely you're going to get that. So we we touched on this um, at the beginning, asking price versus what you're going to offer, or asking rent, what you're going to offer. Um, how close? Normally, it's <laughs> a difficult question, but when they, how 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 close is asking rent to what reality reality is? I, I was looking for a better word, yeah. but but, but <laughs> the word's reality. <laughs> what is reality? I go back to my original statement. It's about supply and demand. Okay. If 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 if, and I, I feel sorry for all these clients that I'm mentioning, but. If you're a popular category, a mobile accessory business, a barber, a sushi business, if you don't agree to the asking rent, there's always 20 others that'll jump on that. Yeah. Okay? So it's very difficult to negotiate when there's 19 other options to the landlord. All right? Yeah. So the trick is really to make sure that you have a different sell for your business, that it's different in for whatever reason, if you're a sushi business, what makes you special? Well, my sushi is the best. It's the freshest. It's it's uh, whatever. That yeah, maybe. whatever, whatever spin you can put on to make it look like best in category. So the landlord does look at things like that. Something that will attract more because people they want to business. Correct. They, they want their best. The landlords aren't stupid either. They want their best in the category if they can afford them. Because the shopping centers come. Compete against each other, so they want to uh, they want to attract the best clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it brings more people into the business. And a successful b- business, you know, breeds other successful businesses. So you want the best in category if you can. So going back to it, how how far from? Let, let's say you're going in the shopping center and, and they want X amount per thousand dollars per square meter. Is that normally? 20% room to negotiate or it's unlimited well nothing is unlimited but but it's much larger and can you give yeah. us some information it's, on it's, that? it's actually impossible because it's how long's a piece of string uh, as I said to you it's it's very difficult for me to sit here and give you an honest answer to say it's five percent different ten percent 20 30 it's how good you are at selling your brand and how desperate the landlord wants that good. brand in, in the center, the center, and the comp- competition going for that site and stuff like that. No, no. Let me ask you: When you mentioned this competition going for that site, how? Imp- and I would imagine it's very important where at the sh- in the shopping center you are. Are there any, you know, best, m- most desirable places in the shopping center? So a lot, a lot, a lot of people always like to go where the traffic is. Yeah, that's the general rule of thumb. People say, "Ah, oh, where's the traffic?" But that actually is not one hundred percent true, mm-hmm. because a lot of people, particularly those you know beauticians and stuff, people don't want to see you <laughs> walking through with your red face because you've just you know Correct, had yeah, some yeah. face treatment. So you tend to be on the outside of the shopping center where less people see you. 
So generally, a beautician likes to sit on the entry to a shopping center or one shop in where it's easy parking, easy to get out with not the whole neighborhood seeing that you've just had a facial. Okay, fair enough. You know, so it, it really depends on, on, on type, what, of the type of business that you've got. If you're a sushi business, you obviously want to be close to maybe the, a food court or, or where people are walking, you know, so you're always front of mind. Um, if you're a mobile accessory business, you might want to be where the traffic is, so a lot of people see, or you might want to sit opposite the telcos, you know, the Telstra's, Optus, mm -hmm. because people that have got a phone plan might need a cover. So do you consult people with that, depending on what type of business you're going to yeah. say, look, you know, and, and that can help you negotiate better rent because yep. you know that you can do better in some way where the rent is a little bit. I, is the rent across the shopping center all the same? No. No. No, it's very different. Depends what category you're in. Um, and uh, that's, that's, that's a very key point. Okay. So if you're in a high demand category where there are hundreds and hundreds of people that'll take that space, yeah. the rents generally will be a lot higher than if you're a, a more in demand type of usage, which is very few and far between. So, so a good place to be when you're going for the shopping center lease is, is you've got a good business that can sit pretty much anywhere in the shopping center, then you can find a... Then you can negotiate a good deal sure. and you can negotiate a good position as well. Sure. All right. And uh, um, in, in terms of uh, uh, square meters, does it really matter if you're, if you're taking a larger shop? Uh, do you get any discount for it or not really? No, no. The larger the shops, uh, generally the, the per square meter rate would come down. Um, I mean, that's generally the rule of thumb. Okay. The smaller the shop, the higher the rent per square meter. That's okay. in general kiosks, which is not even a shop; it's a kiosk. Yeah, that's even higher than a small. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So, so it's all about utilizing the space that you've got. I mean, if you if you can't trade in fifty square meters because you simply cannot display your products, then don't do a store in fifty square meters. Yeah, yeah, go to a bigger store. Yeah, yeah. You know, but if you've got 100 square meters, but you're only using 50 square meters, it's cheaper for you to go to 50 square meters than paying 100 square meters of rent. Yeah, yeah. So it's all about efficiency and... and now, you, you mentioned which businesses have a hard time negotiating because there's a big supply of them. Which ones are the ones that got a... They, they can negotiate a good... You, you, you mentioned some, you mentioned... Uh, Butcher, I believe. And, uh, yeah, like a butcher is a, is a, is a difficult is a difficult category. Um, chicken shops, you know, fresh chicken. Yeah, fresh chicken. Like the the, the 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 mom and dad operators that used to run the butcher and yeah, yeah, they don't really exist. Or they they do exist, but they're few and far between. Simply because the big the big supermarket chains have have. Cause a lot of uh, damage they, to this they, kind yeah, of. Yeah, they got it all in house. Know, yeah. The fish shops, the fresh fish shops, all those kind of things. That's that's becoming less and less. The fresh bakery, you know. Remember the old days of the bakery? Yeah, barely exists uh, unless you're a big chain. You know, Baker's Delight comes to mind. Those yeah, big yeah. chains. But think about another chain of bakeries that isn't Baker's Delight. What are you? I can't think of any. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. What about um, some other retail stores? Because, you know, there was a lot of changes and some of them went out of the business that they sell toys, big, big toys. Yeah, so, so yeah, so the big chains are Toys R Us, but that, were, you know, they, they went out of business. But there's other chains that have filled this space. Mm -hmm. um, they're big, they're 
big chains, but they 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 they're growing. Okay. And and but they're not any big chain stores other than my own client that I represent, which I'm lucky enough to represent. But they're 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 toy store operators that are taking less space than the big traditional fifteen hundred square meters. So they're trying to fulfill that niche. But again, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of toy store operators. Think about how many toy store operators you know. Yeah, because everything's kind of being infect, affected by online sales. Online sales, but also the big chains yeah. sell toys now. Correct. You know, the Kmart, Kmart Target, so even Big W, even even Woolworths would sell some toys. Even mm-hmm. the discount, the discounters will sell toys. Okay. So it's true. It's true. You got to think: what can I bring? That's well, that's not already in one of these these big chains. Yeah. Very difficult because the big chains have everything. I know they got everything, but they also got a small range. Correct. So you can get and a bigger, bigger range. You, you, yeah. you can, you can more choice for the for the customer yeah, that works. But in. but the one thing they that also generally don't do as well as the the smaller chains is the service. Okay. Is the service. You know how many times you go into these big chains and try and find someone to help you. Or even when we find them, ask them something about the product and they just yeah, don't know. Just try and find someone. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, one thing that's of interest to us, obviously, when we're selling businesses and retail or commercial, when, the, when is a good time to approach the landlord to let them know that you're selling? Look, in your opinion. In my opinion, um, look, if you're genuinely s- selling the business... I think I think honesty is a really good policy. I think you should go to the landlord and say, "Look, I want to sell my business." And if you have, if you're honest with the landlords, I think they genuinely want to help you. Um, when you tend to not be transparent, I think that's when things can go wrong quite quickly. So I do believe in going to the landlord saying, "Look, I, I want to sell my business for various reasons, whatever the reason yeah. is," um, and then the landlord understands. Well, no. what I found in, in in our line of business, that we suggest to go to the landlord, and I'm of the same opinion as you, as early as possible, that people are reluctant to do that, and I never understood why. I mean, you got a lease, your you, your lease is secure, so why not approaching the landlord and letting him know? Look, I'm thinking of I'm considering selling a business. What's the procedure? What do you want from me? How do yep. we do this? Least painful and 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 sure. fastest for everybody else. What I think that they think that by approaching the landlord, somehow news of them selling a business is going to leak and may going to affect the clients, employees, and everything else. That's the only reason why I would I find that correct. That's kind of rational. Um, if I'm going to have a unfair landlord, let's say, and landlord who's not going to play the ball, well, I'd love to de- to know that early so I can adjust my negotiation strategy rather than once when I do everything, due diligence is finished, we don't agree on anything, or on everything, and then, then I go and see the landlord and landlord creates a problem, well, it's going to kill the deal. And we have lost the deals because the purchaser didn't like the yep. landlord's negotiation and said, well, look, I'll be in the future to maybe exiting my business and I don't want to deal with a party like this. So I really, my, my advice to everybody is as soon as possible, as soon I as practical. I think so. And how long it normally takes to reassign the lease? It generally doesn't take that long. <coughs> um, obviously the landlord needs to do its own 
due diligence on the incoming or prospective buyer. Yep. Um, they might ask you questions, and they, they, they no doubt will ask for experience and financials. So if someone has that information readily available, it's in the interests for the landlord to, to, to assist as quickly as possible because there's nothing worse than a d- disgruntled tenant. Correct, coming in. Or leaving. Oh, yeah. Or not leaving. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want him upset yeah. and staying yeah. there. And being a misery. Yeah. Because, you know, the, uh, yeah. So I, I would say it's, 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 it's in the interests of all parties to, to act as speedily as possible. Okay. Now, on the bank guarantees. Yep. So you got to provide a certain bank guarantee. Or sure. It could be cash, bond, but in most of the cases, most of bank, bank guarantee. Most bank guarantee, yeah. <coughs> now, when you... Uh, What's the normal amount or percentage rent or whatever it is yeah, for the bank guarantee? As a rule of thumb, it can be three months to six months. Yeah, I've seen twelve months bank guarantee. Um, I've I've seen as l- as little as one month, but on average, it's as three months to twelve months. Okay, so obviously, when you're going into negotiation, you want to negotiate that as low as possible because it's money in your pockets and rather than someone Correct. else's. Correct. Um, uh, what we what will encourage a landlord to give you shorter or smaller le- uh, uh, bank guarantee? If you sign up with personal guarantees, there's always one way yeah. of doing it. So you're personally guaranteeing your own capacity that you have the ability to pay the rent should the business not be successful. Yeah. Also, the amount of or the number of stores that you currently have in the same entity mm-hmm. changes changes the way okay. changes the way a landlord views the risk, and also experience, because if you're a well-established retailer with only two stores, it, it's a lot better than having a a person that's been in business for a year with two stores. Yeah. Okay. So it's more your experience, well, everything that we talked yeah. about, your experience and how desirable your business is to right. the landlord and everything sure. else. Um, but you mentioned something about personal guarantees. Um, I always thought that there was a, well, must that you have to sign, but you're sure. telling me, no, it's not. Like if I'm gonna As I said to you, everything's negotiable. Okay. Some landlords won't negotiate that. Okay. That's true. Some yeah. landlords won't negotiate that. Other landlords will negotiate by yep. putting in more money into the bank guarantee. So again, it's about negotiation. And it, it all depends on um, tenants' positions. Some are happier to get personal guarantee. Bec- some are happy to put a sure. better guarantee. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, s- surrender of the lease. Sometimes, unfortunately, for one reason or the other, you have to exit the lease and the lease is still, didn't take its course, so you still got yep, active yep. lease, whatever the word yep. would be. <coughs> and uh, how do you do that? Is that even possible to do it? And it's it's not nice to surrender a lease, not for the landlord okay. and not for someone in my position and certainly not for the tenant. Okay. Okay. When you surrender a lease, there's always costs involved with surrendering the lease. It's 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 not an indictment on the retailer that they that that it's a failure, but yeah. it is it is a cost that you're going to lose money somewhere. There's going to be a there's going to be money lost. 
Okay. So when you surrender lease, again, those terms are negotiable. How you surrender the lease, okay. you know. The, 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 the best way to do that, in my opinion, would be go to the landlord, sit down with them, show your financials, and say, look, this is the problem. I'm losing money. Okay. I can't sustain the losses any longer. So before you surrender the lease, you need to go to the landlord to explain your financial situation. And there's nothing better than a profit and loss statement. Letter from the accountant. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Because it's in the landlord's interest to work with you. Okay? Because a landlord's got to mitigate your losses as well. Okay? Legally. So they're obligated to mitigate your losses. Provided you give them the information. They need to work with you. That's a, you, It's a partnership. Whichever way you want to look at it. It's a partnership. A landlord doesn't want to have a vacancy and they don't want to have a disgruntled tenant either. Yeah. So the best way to do that is go to the landlord, cap in hand and say, look, here's the financials and people are embarrassed about it. Yeah. But it's business. You can't be too emotional about these things. Yeah, remove yourself personally, personally from it. Yeah. Just look at it from a black and white perspective. These are the numbers. I can't make it work. Now, often a landlord will, will, will be sympathetic and say, all right, what can we do to help you? The first thing they're going to do is maybe a bit more marketing of your business. Mm -hmm. So how do we improve sales? Because generally, when your business isn't making money, it's a, it's, a, it's a fact of two things. Your rent's too high and your turnover is too low. Well, I'm not a genius, but it's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it is, right? So if they can increase your sales, that could be a solution straight away. Okay. The other solution is, do we need to decrease your rent for a period of time? Because that could be... To get you through this rough patch yeah. until you get on top and then... Because that could be a solution too. Okay. So before I surrender lease, I'd always do that straight off the bat. And surrender of the lease, depending on how lease was done in the beginning. Yeah. You may not going to just lose your bond or bank guarantee. Yeah, they could pursue you for the balance of the lease, but they can't pursue you for the balance of the lease until they've crystallized crystallized the, the losses. And what I mean by that is until they've found a replacement tenant, you don't know what how long it, that time's been. You don't know if that the incoming tenant is paying less rent or more rent. Mm -hmm. If it's less rent, you might have to top it up with the short the shortfall yeah. of the lease or the length of your yeah, lease, yeah, yeah. whatever you had less uh, left. The the other thing is what type of incentive did the landlord give to the new tenant? Because someone's going to pay for that. Yeah, yeah. They're going to come after you to pay for it. What state was the shop left in? Do we need to do a defit of the store? Mm -hmm. You know, it could be 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. So until the losses are crystallizes, crystallized, you don't actually know what that amount is. Okay. So it could be an open checkbook. Okay, so... It's not as simple as saying, look, here's the keys, I'm out of here. They'll no, take the it'll take time, but yeah. but no doubt you'll get a bill. But, but but the best thing is, if there is a trouble, if there's a problem, go I'd, and approach I'd always the get landlord. on the front foot mm -hmm. and say, this is the issues. And if a landlord isn't prepared to work with you, well, that's a different story. Then you've just got to take what you've got to do legally, mm -hmm. the best approach for your business. The reason why I ask for that, because, I mean, here we are post-COVID time, we're expecting that um, market's going to change. We, we In our business, the, we deal a lot with insolvency specialists and liquidators and such. And there is already um, 
we, we can see the signs of people are getting in trouble, which everybody's expecting that's going to really crystallize and start happening beginning of 2023. And a lot of these people have a head in the sand, not talking to landlord, not talking to anybody, and really trying. And then, then it comes to this crunch time, and they actually approach the whole thing when it's too late. There's nothing can be done. Or they engage us, we find a buyer, and then we go to the landlord, and then we find out the, the landlord is not happy to negotiate because he feels betrayed because no one told him what it is, and negotiation becomes much harder to, to do with the landlord because the current tenant is already behind on the rent. No one told him I was trying to help him. He's selling a business. Now you're putting gun to my head. I'm not really happy with this person that's coming in. It's not as good. And the whole thing becomes a problem. So what, what you said earlier, uh, I agree 100%. If you're in trouble, sit down with the landlord and have an opening on this conversation. 100%. It's, uh, it's not something to be embarrassed about. I don't know any good business that has not been in trouble before. Absolutely, absolutely. It's yeah. simple as that. In some places, like, <laughs> you know, it's a badge of honour to be bankrupt once or twice in your I'm not sure if it's I mean, a badge. I'm not way. sure it's a badge of honour, but okay. But look, uh, look it's not, it's on that note, yeah. if you don't try hard enough, and we all get in trouble, like, I'm, you know, so yeah. so it's nothing wrong. It means you tried hard and it just didn't work out. I have a lot of, I have a lot of um, respect for people that have been in business. And 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 even though they might not have been successful, I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah, that people have been in business because it means they they're thinking outside the box. It means they're trying something for themselves. I yeah. have a lot of respect for people, and they are prepared to try. And they, regardless I, of what the I, risk I, is, I'm never going to discourage people from opening a business. I might guide them as to what they should be paying and stuff, but I always encourage people. Absolutely, those people are the ones that bring the jobs and stuff like that. So, so what's the biggest error you can do? Rather than not engaging you, <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, phone. Oh wait, <laughs> what's the biggest error? Yeah, that you can make going into the new lease, not understanding what you're doing. That's the biggest error. Yeah. It's, it's just, as I said to you right at the beginning of the conversation, anyone can do a deal. It's yeah. the easiest thing in the world. Anyone, all you have to do is just agree, yeah. but you un need to understand what you're agreeing to. Mm -hmm. Um. So the biggest error is really not not getting professional advice. Okay, that would be the biggest uh, error. I'd, make. I'd agree with it. Honestly, just, just after this, yeah. you know, half an hour conversation, and we're talking about all these things. Now I'm thinking, and we we'll, we didn't touch on everything. There's no. way more moving parts to the leases. Yeah, how many things you can overlook or negotiate that gonna end up biting you? Yeah, I'll tell you my case. We had. Um, we had a commercial lease office space, and there was a um, uh, demolition clause, which I was fully aware of. And the building got sold, and we got twelve months to move out. And I was okay with that, so everybody moved out, and we moved out as well. And then I was hit with my good clothes because it was still in the lease, even though that the building's gonna get demolished. <laughs> I said, "What am I making good here? I mean, building is going down." So we negotiated something, but I paid extra money because I just didn't negotiate this list properly when I got in. It would have been a nice uh, surprise, that, as well. It wasn't that much on the end, but still, it was yeah. a few thousand dollars. The, the, it, it was it, it was, it was, a very nice surprise. Yeah, nice. I mean, it was it was a surprise. I couldn't be, couldn't be even believe that, but 
they was brought up, but contractually I was obligated to pay make good, even though the building building went down a few months later. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon someone was trying to make a quick dollar. And they did, so I can tell you. <laughs> so the well, problem is because rent was up today, they had a bond and you know there's not much you can do about it. Oh, but, I understand. Yeah. Uh, with uh, with demolition clauses, so often when we're selling a business, demolition clause becomes an issue. They say, well, there's a demolition clause, I'm going to buy the business, I'm going to demolish the building. But my view on that, that most of the leases out there do have a demolition clause. Yeah, they do have two two clauses. The one's a relocation and the yeah. other one's a demolition clause. That's kind of a standard term that most landlords are, are using. Mm -hmm. But if you if it's a retail lease, you okay. are protected by the Retail Trades Act. Okay. Um, so relocation clause is, is basically the landlord has to essentially pay to relocate you. So it's not in the interest of a landlord to spend a whole lot of money to relocate you. Okay. A demolition clause, the landlord's got to give you or refund you whatever, <coughs> whatever component hasn't been depreciated of your business. Okay. So, so we're talking about fit out. Yes, yeah. you're fit out, and if you negotiate well, you know well, you know there could be other compensations that you can include. If someone exerts a, a demolition clause, we we need to be compensated for you to pay for the new location, yeah. the new fit out, so things like you know things that you can negotiate. Okay, and how open to negotiation of these landlords are? Target your lawyer or your lease negotiator. Yeah, but that's a legal term, mm -hmm. so we can advise, but we can't. We we won't give. Okay, so legal so advice how to how to how to negotiate. We we'll have a discussion with the client and advise them to get legal advice on on how to structure the clause to okay. protect them. All right, so so you need somebody who's commercially savvy with this, <coughs> and then you need a good lease lawyer that can yeah. help you yeah. put this together yeah, it's a legal so terminology it's it's not something yeah it's well commercial. it's a yeah it's not commercial but yeah. if you look uh, i've seen a lot of leases negotiated and, and often there is no even conversation yeah. about any of these things that you're talking about what we're arguing is mainly bank guarantee yeah the rent everything yeah. else is forgotten yeah correct which now talking to you i'm i'm finding to yeah. be yeah there's not such a smart idea yeah um and do you have any stories that you can share? Obviously, you can change the names and to protect guilty enemies, <laughs> but there were either bad examples of or, or good examples of bad negotiated lease. It's interesting you should say this to me. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to mention the person, yeah. but a young young lady. Um, she was 25. Yeah, she has a fitness business. Yeah. I'd advised her uh, three years ago on a, on a on a lease, yeah. and in my opinion, I did a relatively good job. Yeah. She was really happy and well protected. The, her business grew, yeah, and the space that we had negotiated, she had kind of grown out of the space, yeah, and the lease was to the end. So rather than engaging my company because she saw what I did, yeah. Um, she 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 took it on on herself that she knew the clauses that I'd negotiated, yeah. and entered into a new lease, okay. without without my knowledge at all. By pure chance, the friend of of this 
lady said, I'm not happy about this lease. We've just signed it. We've paid the bank guarantee. Can you have a look at it, Michael? Get advice after the event. I said, are you joking? You've just paid your bank guarantee. You've paid your deposit. Your fit-out starts on Monday, which is literally Monday that's just gone by. I said, just send it through to me. Um, Over the weekend, I read the whole lease. I read everything that she had agreed to. And to be completely transparent, it was one of the worst leases I'd seen for a long, long time. Small individual landlord, who will remain nameless, doesn't have a lot of shops, but knows that the landlord is actually a lawyer. Okay. So the lease itself was really onerous on the tenant. There were clauses in that lease where, where she was responsible for the toilets of the entire block, yet she only, she only was taking 300 square meters. Uh, how many other shops in the block? Or Half a dozen other it? shops. Okay. She had to ensure they were cleaned. Yeah. She had to pay for the products, yeah. the cleaning products. And was if the toilets would break, she was responsible for repairing it. Yeah, the same was on her on her roof, which obviously she had no control over. Yeah, and on top of all that, she had to pay the land tax for the entire building. Is that even fair and commercial lease? Well, I don't know what's fair and commercial, but I guess if someone agrees to the terms, you agree to the terms. I don't think you, you, agree you know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if it's fair and legal. But that's what I had to deal with. Okay. So on the weekend, I got together with her and I said, whatever you do, do not take handover of this premise. Okay. She said, why not? I said, because that's one of the things that you need to trigger to accept the deal. Okay. So so we were supposed to, she was supposed to meet at 11 o'clock on Monday to take the keys. She didn't arrive and she sent an email to say that I've got problems. I'll be writing to you. I engaged the lawyer and we wrote a whole lot of things that (coughs) the landlord didn't do um, in the correct correct manner. So we told you didn't give us the disclosure documents. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't give us, you put us under duress to sign the lease straight away without inspecting the premises. A whole lot of things like this. So we made it a, a bit of a legal argument even though we're coming from a Poor position. The landlord then wrote us an email to say, yep, she acknowledges she didn't do this and this and this and she's prepared to break or terminate the lease provided we pay X amount of money to get out of the lease. So we negotiated that X amount of money and it became a very, very small amount of money in light of what had just happened. And we managed to extract this person out of the lease after the horse had bolted. That's fantastic. And it's a great lesson for someone to say that if if you don't know what you're doing or you think you know what you're doing, you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, again, <laughs> yeah well, it's funny how we, and look, maybe not in these cases, but even myself, and I don't know, maybe you, we, we'll do the things without getting a proper advice yeah, from 100%. proper people just because we think there is no danger. Now, I'm not saying take advice for going to the shops. <laughs> yeah. But there are some risky things. There are some serious commercial deals that it pays many times over to get a good advice from yep, a good yep. person. A hundred percent. And I'm, I'm just saying to you that 
I myself um, would always get advice if I'm not 100% sure of what I'm doing. So I get legal advice. And I'm a pretty smart kind of guy, but I still get legal advice. Yeah. I get accountancy advice, even though I understand how to read a balance sheet. Yeah. You know, I get financial advice because I don't quite understand how certain parts of super might work. I yeah, get public advice and I pay for it. But you go to the professionals and you know it, you're right. It's it's always cheaper in the long run if you get the proper advice. Uh, well, look, in just about every business it's got some sort of some form of lease or at one stage they they, they were in lease premises yeah and you really have to be very careful because <coughs> that thing can you know can make you or break you in some instances and this was really good example yeah how this person good advice yeah this person got would have been out of trouble out of business within six months no question because the cost on top of the rent were no Just disclosure of how much the land tax was. No disclosure of all these things. It just was... Anyway, anyway I haven't, all right, I haven't a seen a lease like that for a long time. But, but that's, a, that's a really good story and a really good example. And it only happened... To, to, to drive this, uh, you know, message home type yeah. of thing that you really have to be uh, careful and uh, how to negotiate a lease. Look, yeah. we're running out of time. Well, we know we can do this forever, but, you know... You know you know, you know, you pay for each uh, for minute, right? I'm all right with that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I like you, not that much though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting advice. I'm just talking. This is for general purposes okay. only. Right? Okay, sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, but th this was just a fascinating conversation. And look, first time that I, like, I've been doing selling businesses and being involved in business for about twenty years, and it's the first time that I ca actually came across somebody whose profession is in lease negotiation. And uh, I would highly recommend people use people like you, and especially you, I because you. I don't know any others. Yeah. <laughs> there are a few others, but I prefer not to give them the... Uh, <laughs> so, so, Michael, all jokes aside, if somebody needs a help with lease and lease negotiation, how do they find you? So they can find us. We've got a website called verymark.com.au. Or I'm happy to give my mobile number if that yeah, should do yeah. that. O four double one triple three six three seven. I'll repeat. O four double one triple three six three seven. Um they can find my office, they can find my mobile, they can send me an email. Um yeah, I'm pretty well known in the industry. Most landlords can't say love me, but they respect me. I like to but say. But they know you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I call it respect. Okay. So, and you got a team, your national company. Yes. You can represent people anywhere yeah. in Australia, pretty Country much. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much for joining no me problem. today. This was fascinating. Thank you. Thank you for your time as well. Thanks. Need help selling your business, buying a business, or a business valuation? Exclusive Business Sales Award-winning team are here to help. Our experience, skill, expertise and professionalism backed by our triple guarantee is assurance for your success. The largest network of buyers and our national coverage will help you throughout Australia in all state capitals and regional areas. Exclusive business sales. Sell your business with certainty.